Пускай бушует ветер злой Я верю, Боже, Твоя десница всегда Прибудет надо мной Там, там, в вышине Город небесный нас Мы стремимся достичь Тот город небесный святой Что враг посылает навстречу сомнения Чтобы сбить меня с цели и свернуть за собой Но там, там, в вышине Город небесный наш Житейской дороге понимаю Свой взор я на небеса Знаю, что разделит он добычу Сильным победившей кровью агнца Там, там, в вышине Город небесный нас
Hello and welcome to Kingdom in Context. I want to thank you for joining us. My name is Sean. I'm joined here by my lovely wife, um, Lindsay, and our unborn child, Levi. And if you enjoyed that praise music, that is our Russian brother, Maxim Lavrov. Uh, he's occasionally in the chat. I don't know if he's here today, but he does his own music, and I think it's beautiful. Awesome praise music. So, Yeah, he mentioned it last week, so I took a listen, and I was like, hey, there's some great stuff here. Specifically, foreign language worship mm -hmm. music, which as I've been talking about, I've been looking for more decent yeah. foreign language music. So a lot of times I'll type in a certain language and worship songs and it's all the generic, you know, slow, um, just not really my style of music that I, you know, like. So if anyone knows any other good foreign language worship songs, artists, uh, feel free to share them in the comments or in the chat with us or with me on Facebook, whatever. Yeah, I think that was good. That was awesome. Um, yeah. <clears throat> welcome, everybody. Hope you're having a good day. And I uh, hope you're enjoying the Shabbat if you're celebrating, if you're observing this day of rest. Um, if you're not and you're a Christian, look into it. It is one of the commandments uh, as far as our discipleship with Christ. And it's uh, what we'll be doing in the kingdom. Um, what we'll be teaching the whole world is to observe uh, the Sabbaths of the Lord. So I think it's very um, important for us to practice it now. And I would encourage you to look into it. So today, I think we wanted to talk about... What do we want to talk about? Slander? Slander and false accusations. A lying tongue. A um, What the scriptures say about these things, of course. Yeah. And how the scriptures describe it as basically a sense of lying, a sense of dishonesty, mm -hmm. uh, maligning someone's character, um, condemning them through the slander. Um, and then because the scriptures, it treats this, this concept, <coughs> all these words related to this concept synonymously. So we just want to kind of go over a few of the verses just as a... Just as encouragement for us all, you know, to, to guard our lips, to guard our mouths, and um, to make sure that we are not concealing violence or hatred with our words. And I think it's a very unique thing how it's spoken of in the Proverbs about concealing hatred or violence when you slander somebody. Yeah. Because you're basically saying with your words, I want them to die, as opposed to you physically doing it. You're concealing that hatred and violence with your words. Um, so it's very interesting how it relays or reveals the hearts that's the, the problems happening in the heart at that time. And that uh, when we see this happening, um, the natural instinct is to defend yourself. And that's that's what definitely there is a right to defend yourself in Scripture, yeah. especially when it comes to certain types of slander. But then at the same time, you definitely want to pray for that person that's going through that because they're, they're obviously they're kind of putting their um, their inner struggles on the outside with their words in that moment. So they're telling you what they need prayer for. But That's this, but this is a hard thing because if they're directly attacking you with this type, type of behavior, your first instinct is not to pray for them. So this is why today we're we're not just talking about people who slander. We're talking about people who get slandered. What do we do? All right, it's for everybody. And also, just the warning that sometimes you can be slandering and falsely accusing people without realizing it. And I think this is one of the biggest problems in the body of Christ itself, the whole body, not just. Torah crowd or the mainstream Christians, <clears throat> all of the Christians who condemn other Christians um, over doctrine, over, oh, he made hand signs in his videos. I mean, just all the things that you see people saying, he's not really saved. That's not really a Christian. They're not really of the faith. Um, you know, that is a sin, I think, that so many of us are walking in without even realizing it because we think we're justified. Um, to call out every person we think is a fake convert. So that's the other 
warning, obviously, that we would want you guys to take away from this. Anyone who's been viewers of our channel for long enough know that's why we don't tend to take those positions or make those kind of videos exposing this person or that person or this ministry. You know, um, I mean, even word of faith, uh, you know, mega preachers, we just don't go there. Um, we just, we were more comfortable with letting the father sort all that out and people can use their discernment, um, as they need to, as far as, you know, adhering to certain teachings. So, so let's look at James chapter five, 11 through 12 it says, brothers do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against his brother or judges him speaks against the law and judges it. So, <laughs> But wait, I thought the law was done away with. <laughs> um, so obviously the law is not done away with. It's eternal. And so, of course, if you're if James here is is expressing to believers um, in Christ that when we slander one another, we're speaking and judging against the law itself. That's a pretty strong comparison right out the gate. Yeah. Okay. If you judge the law, are you not a practitioner of the law? Excuse me. If you judge the law, you are not a practitioner of the law, but you're a judge of it. So basically you're saying you're transgressing when you slander somebody because you're judging against the law. Meaning, what does that mean? It's the, the, the idea of slander, and we're going to this with some future verses. The idea was that you're literally putting someone up on the judgment block before the elders to be put to death. Right. right. So this is why it was called slander. It was because you, you offered an accusation against somebody's character or their behavior that would cause judgment from the elders of Israel that, nine times out of 10 would lead you into death, right? A death penalty. Right. So there, this is why it's called concealed violence, right? <laughs> it's, um, it's basically saying, look, I want people to not, it's not just about mark and avoid. That's totally different. Right. This is the idea of slander is when you're misrepresenting someone's case, cause they're not speaking these things. You're lying about what they think or believe or teach or, or what they've done. You're lying in order to get them in trouble unto death. So this is why it's such a big deal um, that if you do this, then you're then judging against the law. And my understanding of what it means to, to be judging against the law, like it says and speaking against the law, is that you're now trying to stand in the place of a judge in the law when you are not a judge of the law. Right. So therefore, you're now, you're now, uh, uh, what's the word? Basically, you're, uh, you know, you're sitting in a place of authority that you weren't given. Right. So this is a, you're transgressing the law at that point. Just try to stand in that place of authority. So there is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? <coughs> so this is, not only is it talking about usurping the authority structure of the law by slandering someone, slandering your brother, and because in this moment, it's not even talking about unbelievers. It's talking about brothers, right? brothers in the faith. Right. So not only usurping the authority of the law itself, but James is literally is literally drawing this comparison to there's one lawgiver and judge. You know, the father has given authority to the son to judge mankind's souls. And that's what it means by to save and destroy, to either resurrect to eternal life or destroy in the lake of fire. Right. That's where your body and soul are destroyed. So then he, he adds, you know, who are you? Do you think that you can stand in that place and do this? You're not. We're yeah. not Christ. And considering who's writing this, that should be even more profound for us because James was, you know, one of the heads of the council of Jerusalem where yeah. people came to have disputes, you know, uh, between them settled and, you know, coming to James and the other apostles for questions on 
doctrine and and how to disciple people and things like that. Right. So even he is saying to us, be very careful how you speak against or judge your brother in the faith. Second <laughs> Corinthians 12, 18 through 20, it says, I urge Titus to visit you and I sent our brother with him. Did Titus exploit you in any way? Did we not walk in the same spirit and follow in the same footsteps? Have you been thinking all along that we were making a defense to you? <laughs> he's, he's being a little bit uh, tongue in cheek here. He goes, we speak before God in Christ and all of this beloved is to build you up. For I'm afraid that when I come, I may not find you as I wish. And you may be, and you may not find me as you wish. I fear that there may be quarreling, jealousy, rage, rivalry, slander, <coughs> gossip, arrogance, and disorder. So, in the mix of quarreling, rage, jealousy, rivalry, gossip, arrogance, and disorder, he throws slander in there. Right. What have we seen in the past five years doing this? Whenever people, whenever things. people slander us, <laughs> can that person be called to order? Um, what do you mean called to order? Can that person be shook shook and awoken from their slanderous rage and be calmed down and brought to order? Um, in our experience, that's something that it seems like it takes the Lord to do to do that work on them apart from us. What does their slander invoke? Quarreling? Yes. Rage? Yes. Gossip, uh, for gossip. sure. I can't tell you how many Facebook threads I've stumbled upon where there's hundreds of comments of people just talking about us like wow yeah. well, okay. i don't want to i don't want to make this really about us it, a whole, i'm, I'm just, just saying in, in my general, ex, in our experience like we've literally you. experienced it we have, we and have. i'm just saying the gossip part where people don't just talk about what we teach right they get we, into for example um we had to remove someone from our facebook group which is a fellowships bible study group we had to move remove someone in the past because they decided they wanted to take screenshots of the interactions in that group, yeah. which is a private group. This is why people have to answer questions to get in to assure they're of the faith and that they're trying to be peaceful. Um, they took screenshots outside the group and then put them in another group just for mockery and gossip. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And this person is a Christian. Yeah. It was all in the name of exposing wolves, you know, exposing false teachers. <laughs> So this is why it's so fitting that Paul would put together all these bad fruits in the same sentence. Yeah. Um, as far as all these types of uh, traits that go together. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's uh, not good. It's it's just a lumped in with a whole bag of bad, spoiled, and rotten fruit. Luke 6, 35 through 38, Jesus says, But love your enemies, do good to them, lend to them, expect nothing in return. Then your reward will be great and you'll be sons of the most high for he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. So it's to not loving your enemies, yeah. people that are, that are uh, ungrateful and wicked. <laughs> Interesting, huh? Be merciful just as your father is merciful. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over will be poured into your lap. For the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. So this is kind of a, a very unique concept where he's explaining, like, how do we love our enemies? We got to forgive them. We can't condemn them. We can't sit, stand in judgment over them. And this, and the, to me, this is not just judging that they're not of the faith or they're, they're you know, judging that um, their fruit is, is wrong and someone may need to admonish them and bring them, you know, encourage them to repent. Yeah. Because he's tying it to condemning them. Mm-hmm. So again, right back to James chapter five, um, 
we are not the judge of their souls. We cannot save or destroy these people. Um, these are not, they, we are not uh, given the place to judge their soul for eternity. Yeah, we can definitely point out if someone has bad fruit or if a particular doctrine seems to produce bad fruit in people. But Sean and I, I mean, even in our private conversations, we never go to the place of, wow, they just must not be saved. We just don't go there. We just say that they're undisciplined yeah. and they need better discipleship and that we're going to try to pray for them. Because yeah. we, we realize that this is this is the, the issue, is that when people engage in outright <laughs> slander, um, they're misrepresenting your arguments or they're trying to twist your words in order to you know, cause you to look um, out of the faith or like you're preaching some sort of destructive thing. Uh, or when they come out calling you wolves and snakes and false prophets and false teachers and all this kind of stuff. And um, this it becomes an issue because they're not just doing it to, in order to because they simply disagree with you. They do. The whole premise is that they want you to be removed from the conversation. Yeah. They want you to be removed from the platform. They want you to be removed. Yeah. There's literally people that disagree and slander us that call for in our comment section that our YouTube ch channel be taken down. Yeah. So it's it's a it's a whole different spirit behind this. It's not just simply they disagree with you. So. Yeah, and I just want to just share a little testimony about this whole loving your enemies and praying and forgiving, because recently. <clears throat> I had God reveal to me unforgiveness in my heart because every morning I go outside and I sit in the sun and I drink a cup of tea and I say my morning prayers. And one of the things I always ask him for is to show me any unforgiveness in my heart that I need to repent of. And most of the time I feel like I think I'm good in that section, you know, I, I, but I'm always thinking about people in my immediate life when I think of unforgiveness. And the other day he totally called me out and showed me you are carrying around an immense amount of unforgiveness and disdain towards the people who condemn you guys regularly. All these ultimately total strangers, people you would never, I would never know from Jane, Jane or John Doe on the street. And I, you know, it hit me and I was like, okay, how do I walk in forgiveness of them? Like, how do I, because for the most part, I've just tried to ignore them and let it just not bother me and make me feel emotional. And I think I've grown in that area. But as far as the, the feelings that I do harbor in my heart, I mean, he showed that like right to my face. And he told me, like, I could hear it clear as day. For starters, you need to stop neglecting them in your prayers every day. You need to start lifting them up to me in prayer. And not just father open their eyes soften their hearts. Like I need to be praying blessings over them. I need to be praying that he comforts anyone in that, in the, in that body of believers who needs comfort. I need to be praying that they are blessed with all their needs being met, being blessed financially. Um, I need to pray that, um, wounds would be healed in their lives and their marriages. Like he, <laughs> he showed me if you want to walk in forgiveness of them, you need to start lifting them up to me in prayer and praying good things over them. Not just praying that I wake them up or make them stop or help you to not see their comments, <laughs> which I think anytime I would pray about these things, that's really where my focus was. It was more about me. So the last few days I've been making it a, that a practice and I'm definitely feeling peace, a lot more peace <laughs> than I was before. Uh, which I didn't even realize I wasn't in that much peace about it. I kind of had, I think I was in denial about it <laughs> thinking, oh yeah, I'm okay. I'm, you know, I've, 
I, but I never thought about forgiving them. You know, I just thought about ignoring them, not condemning them and that kind of stuff. So just yeah. a comment on that last passage that we read. That's my little testimony about it from recently. So let's look at Romans 14, one through four. It says, accept him whose faith is weak without <laughs> passing judgment on his opinions. For one person has faith to eat all things, while another who is weak eats only vegetables. The one who eats everything must not belittle the one who does not. And the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does. For God has accepted him. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To his own master he stands or falls. And he will stand, for the Lord is able to make him stand. So I love this passage because it's not just talking about the person strong in the faith. Right. It's about the, the judgment from the weak in the faith person against the person strong in the faith. Right. So and it's going both both regards, right? To the to the person considered strong in the faith and the person considered weak in the faith. This admonition is telling both of them, do not judge each other because of your differing opinions on something. Now, this particular conversation is going over what day of the week they thought would be fasting and what they can eat and the right. different types of things. But it's not the topic that's at hand. It's the general principle of how they treat each other while in disagreement. So this is um, on both regards. It's letting us know you may be strong in the faith and you may be well studied in a, in a certain topic. You may understand fully and someone who's unstudied comes in and, you know, they, they're not right. So then they want to um, they want to rile you up. They want to judge you. Uh, they want to um, assume <laughs> ill intent of your character. Right. It's literally happening in the live chat right now as we speak. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> literally as we speak. But may God bless these guys may, yeah. or these people, whomever they are, um, because they clearly aren't familiar with who we are and what we teach. And so they're, you know, um, we oh, we know that we've, <laughs> you know, we've been put into some uh, bigger algorithms, if you if I could say like that, in the last uh, two or three months. And so we're getting a lot of new people and we love it. Right. So in the same way, we don't pass judgment on on people that are unfamiliar with us and, and how deep we go into the scriptures and what we understand from it. Coming in with a very nominal, young, uh, mainstream Christian understanding um, of, of certain things. And many of them come in, unfortunately, not with just sincere questions, but with accusations. Yeah. Right. So this is where in the same regard, I'm not going to judge that person's soul. I'm just going to pray that the father blesses them and matures them and uh I can't stop them from judging my soul. I would just hope that they learn from what we're teaching today. So also we want to look at this passage here. Titus 3, 1 through 3. Remind the believers to submit to rulers and authorities, to be obedient and ready for every good work, <coughs> Sorry. to malign no one, and to be peaceable and gentle, showing full consideration to everyone. For at one time we too were foolish, disobedient, misled, enslaved to all sorts of desires and pleasures, living in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. Mm -hmm. So now it's directly contrasting the idea of being ready for good work, being obedient, uh, being submissive, um, not maligning people, being peaceful and gentle. Those are the opposites of disobedience, being misled, being foolish, enslaved to desires and pleasures that are mixed with malice and envy and hating one another. So this is the, you know, this is the, the ways of the world, right? This type of mentality, this, this mindset, this fruit that comes out of people, which is the opposite of obedience to the spirit of God. So this is where we want to encourage folks that, you know, let's, let's walk in love with one another, being peaceful and gentle, uh, not maligning each other, but instead building each other up. This is the general admonition. 
in the same way, 1 Samuel 24, 8 through 10, we have a, a, a working example of this concept in the life of David when Saul was, was persecuting David to try to kill him. Listen to what David says to Saul. And this verse starts in verse 8, 1 Samuel 24. After that, David got up and went out of the cave and he called out to Saul, my lord and the king. When Saul looked behind him, David bowed face down in reverence and said to Saul, why do you listen to the words of men who say, look, David intends to harm you? Behold, this day you have seen with your own eyes that the Lord delivered you into my hand in the cave. I was told to kill you, but I spared you and said, I will not lift my hand against my Lord since he is the Lord's anointed. <clears throat> so in this moment, David had a chance to, to uh, kill uh, Saul when he went into this cave. And uh, David was already in that cave un unknown to Saul. But instead, he, he showed him mercy because he knew this was the, you know, the king that the Lord had anointed as king over Israel for the moment. And um, but Saul was literally in that cave because he's out in, you know, roaming the countryside looking to kill David. So David could have just solved his problem, killed, killed Saul and took his rightful place on the throne immediately. But instead, not only is he trusting and showing reverence to Yahweh and being submissive to the authority of Yahweh, who anointed Saul as king, he's also addressing the slander that was in Saul's ear about David's intent. They're claiming that David was intending to harm Saul, but that wasn't the case at all. It never had been the case. David was never trying to harm King Saul. King Saul was being filled with um, envy because he saw David in his victory in military triumphs, and he was jealous. That was compiled with people slandering David, putting it in the ear of the king that David wants to do you harm. So then Saul moves upon the words of slander, combined with his own sinful jealousy and envy, and together he goes out to seek murder. So this it was not anointed by the Lord to kill David. David didn't do anything wrong. David was on the run, persecuted, righteous man. So this, this whole thing ties together, right? It ties together. <clears throat> Leviticus 19, 16 through 18. Yahweh says, you must not go about spreading slander among your people. You must not endanger the life of your neighbor. I am Yahweh. You must not harbor hatred against your brother in your heart. It's kind of what he told you in your prayer life, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. That's what he was speaking to you. Yeah. Directly rebuke your neighbor so that you will not incur guilt on account of him. So you can you can call him out. You can address them. Yes. Just don't harbor hatred when they're doing this to you. Right. Right. And don't become a slanderer yourself. Right. right. Don't condemn them to the second death over those things. Right. Directly rebuke your neighbors so that you will not incur guilt on account of him. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against any of your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am Yahweh. So when Jesus tells us in the Gospels to love the Lord your God with your heart, your strength and mind and love your neighbor as yourself, we actually get a working definition of loving your neighbor right here in Leviticus 19, 16 through 18. And it's directly tied to slander. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. And actually, I think it's because I see these people as my brothers and sisters that I didn't think to pray for them uh, and bless them because that those verses usually say, pray for your enemies, bless your enemies. And I don't like to think of them as my enemies. I feel like no matter how they see me, at the end of the day, I go to sleep and right. I know they're my brothers and sisters in the faith, right. whether they think I'm of the faith this, or not. This is why you see in certain certain <clears throat> scenarios you've seen me continue to call people that strongly disagree with me and do not like me yeah. i'll continue to call them brothers and sisters in the faith 
And yeah. there, there's sometimes there's a breaking point where they don't like that anymore. And yeah. they say, stop calling me brother. Yeah. Because I'm not your brother. You're not of the faith. And they can't hold it back anymore. And yeah. they reveal their heart is like, they do not consider me in the family of Yahweh and Christ. Yeah. Or they'll right out the gate, they'll, they will be hyper-focused on making sure they call you friend. Okay. Friend where <laughs> they don't call you brother. They call you friend to make sure, you know, they don't think you're their brother. But that was, I think that's how I had convinced myself that, you know, or that I had, it hadn't even dawned on me that I needed to pray and bless these, pray for and bless these people because I wasn't looking at them as enemies. You know, I was looking at them as brothers and sisters of faith who, you know, are just deceived by very bad teachings and who have been encouraged over generations uh, by this spirit that unfortunately has been in the Christian church from the early days of the Catholic church. Yeah. Well, to, Paul, you know, Paul's even talking about his letters. I mean, it was yeah. around it's, to it's, condemn it's, people as anathema. It is the ways of the world, immaturity, yeah. undiscipled. <coughs> Those people become converts, but that doesn't mean they've matured yet. Yeah. That doesn't mean they've had good instruction and discipleship to walk in the spirit with gentleness and peace you know what I'm saying? So this is where Paul's having to teach that to people. And, uh, and James is having to teach that to people. You know, this is a even, part of the teachings. Even Peter himself had to learn. Yeah. You yeah. know, Peter talks about, I didn't include those verses, but in first Peter, he also talks about not slandering, getting rid of envy, rage, malice, and different things like that. Yeah. Uh, Ryan, thank you so much for the super chat, brother. I really appreciate that. Same thing to you. You're hooking on. I really appreciate the super chat. Go Griffins. May I bless you. That's awesome, brother. Thank you so much. It's generous. Thank you. So let's look at Mark 7, 23. Jesus continued, what comes out of a man, that is what defiles him. For from within the hearts of men come evil thoughts, sexual morality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, debauchery, envy, slander, arrogance, and foolishness. All these evils come from within, and these are what defile a man. See, that's another area where we see arrogance paired with slander. I, Because I feel like you have to be arrogant to slander somebody. Because you, you intentionally ignore what the truthful things they've said yes. and to, in order to malign them, yes. to twist their truthfulness. And, and also, um, I think some people misrepresent what you're saying without even necessarily intending to because they aren't actually listening to you. And that's the arrogance part. Explain, yeah. and that's the arrogance part yeah. because they've already written you off as an unbeliever who's not who's who's a, who's a wolf or a false teacher or a false convert. So therefore, you don't deserve to be listened to. They don't need to try and understand your position. They think they already do, and therefore they can dismiss it as well as your entire soul along with it. <laughs> so yes, that definitely takes arrogance. <clears throat> so Yeshua's Obviously, Paul, Peter, James are preaching the same thing that Yeshua teaches because this is the heart of the Torah. We see this throughout the Law and the Prophets and the Proverbs. Um, this is the, the opposite of the behavior that we should be exhibiting as Christians in the faith, right? But if this behavior is happening to you, Yeshua also told us in Luke 6 that we're to forgive one another, right? So this is the part where we need to genuinely pray for them. And it's uh, it can be tough. It can yeah. be tough, right? Because clearly people are trying to Twist your words in order to um, cause other people to not like you, to destroy relationships, yeah. and um, and in, in some cases to destroy <laughs> livelihoods. Um, this is where you know, you'll have, you know, there's a 
there's a, a an actor right now named Jonathan Majors who was one of these actors in these Marvel movies, and his uh, girlfriend, like it's an ongoing case where his girlfriend claimed that she was he beat her or whatnot, and there's no proof of it. And then he lost all of his Marvel roles, and then she ends up fleeing the country. Like it's a whole ongoing drama. So of it's like, like a, another Johnny Depp. Situation. It's just like absolute <laughs> slander against this dude, but it also caused him to to lose his livelihood, yeah, and lose his uh, his respect by people in his industry. But he didn't, you know, according to the evidence so far, it doesn't look like he actually did anything. The point is, um, it's just interesting to see that this is what can happen when you slander someone. This is why Leviticus 19 talked about not taking the life of your neighbor in your hands. Yeah. Because this is what it means is you're you're destroying their life, their reputation, which is related to their livelihood. And you're standing in a place of judgment that you want their soul to be destroyed in the lake of fire. You want them to be removed from existence. You're the arrogance becomes so strong that they stand in the place of Christ. Yeah. And that is where we should, no one, no one should ever feel that way in their heart. Right. But that's, that's a sin nature. That's the part where we have to discipline against this. So let's look at, uh, I think a couple more here. Psalm 105, five through seven, whoever slanders his neighbor in secret, I will put to silence. <clears throat> so now it's not just doing it publicly. The father knows <laughs> the father knows your heart he knows your thoughts he knows your every every word indeed will be judged on judgment day guys this is uh this is the father telling us whoever slanders his neighbor in secret i will put to silence the one with haughty eyes and a proud heart i will not endure my eyes favor the faithful of the land that they may dwell with me he who walks in the way of integrity shall minister to me no one who practices deceit shall dwell in my house no one who tells lies shall stand in my presence so now it's more than just simply now we get the, the equation here that slandering someone is more than just you disagree with their opinion on something and you're going to twist their words in order to make them look bad or cause harm to them in some way. The father views this as straight up lying. So now you're breaking one of the Ten Commandments if you believe that the Ten Commandments trump all others. Now you're breaking one of the actual commandments that uh, Leviticus 19.11 talks about not lying as well. But now he's talking about practicing deceit. So yeah. this is not just a simple statement that just flippantly comes out of your mouth. This is a practice of deceit when you slander somebody. And it's the opposite of the faithful. And this is why um, Sean and I talk about this a lot. Because in both in both sides of the camp, you have Torah people on one side you have mainstream christians on another side both sides think that they are repenting of sin and not walking in it so you have tour people who think i keep the sabbath i wear seat seat i eat clean yada yada you've got other christians <laughs> you've got other christians who think i've professed belief in jesus i've been baptized i'm saved i'm i'm walking in the spirit but then they also both sides at the same time will willingly engage in this these sins of slander pride in the heart arrogance condemning the brethren accusing the brethren they'll willingly walk in those sins so sean and i try to remind people it's more than just the outward appearance of mechanically keeping more commandments than you were taught to keep in the churches and it's more than the outward profession of your faith in christ and being baptized there are certain sins that are very easy to fall into without realizing it, especially when it comes to these arguments over doctrine and condemning whole swaths of people over doctrines. <clears throat> so 
for example, a lot of people get really mad at us in the crowd because we won't condemn mainstream Christians for keeping Christmas and Easter. And I've even gone so far as to actually look into the history of these things and try to tell people, I don't think it's actually a sin or a violation of commandments to be observing these holy days, these holidays, excuse me. And that makes people really mad, but it's because we believe in, if we're going to repent of sin, we need to repent of all the sins that we become aware of that we're walking in. And that's beyond just realizing, oh, the Sabbath didn't change. These dietary instructions didn't change. That's also, am I unright? Am I unjustly accusing people? Am I falsely accusing people of committing a sin? They're not actually committing. Even if I don't agree with keeping those holidays personally, I don't agree with using those holidays to replace the father's holy days, but I'm not going to condemn people for blindly keeping them because that's how they were raised. And that's how they were taught to celebrate Jesus and his birth and his resurrection and those kind of things. Cause I don't want to risk not making it into the kingdom because I'm falsely accusing people who are also professing belief in the same Messiah I believe in. So <clears throat> that's why it's important. And Sean and I talk about these particular sins a lot because they seem to be the forgotten ones that people on both sides engage in every day and don't seem to care um, to think to themselves, could I be falsely accusing this person? Could I be misrepresenting them and slandering them? Could I be being very arrogant in my judgment of them and what they teach or believe? So, you know, this is, I feel like this is like the forgotten middle area where both sides are absolutely being taught, you know, to, to practice these things and that it's okay. And that it's a normal part of being a Christian to just condemn other people who believe differently than us, uh, based on different understandings of the Bible. So. It is really, it's not normal and it shouldn't be normal. Right. So this is where, I mean, like, you know, it's literally happening still in the, in the live chat right now, just cause, uh, like it's just what it is. And guys, I just want to encourage all the mods. Uh, we do not want to, uh, <coughs> We do not want to ban people. We want to put them on timeout if they can't control themselves. And you can keep putting them on timeout until the end of the show. But we do not want to ban people. We want to give them a chance uh, to come back and interact peacefully so they can prove their repentant heart in the future. Um, and uh, we don't want them to feel like they're uh, not welcomed, if I could put it like that. Because ultimately, how are they going to hear good information? If they just show up and they knee jerk and they struggle to maintain their peace and uh, and start with their accusations, because that's a part of the cognizance and the knee jerk of the bad teachings. So otherwise, we you know, it, this is the battleground, right? This is the, of the faith. Like it's when you teach righteousness, unrighteousness rears its head and doesn't want it, doesn't want to accept it. So, of course, it's going to knee jerk at first. But this is why you don't we want to some way, somehow we want to provide a path to reconciliation for these folks who come in, they hear what we're talking about. Even though we've done nothing but put scriptures on screen today, people come in and calling us heretics. It's fine. May God bless them and mature them over time. Maybe to, maybe today they, they get put on timeout and can't interact in the live chat. But in the future, when they come to their senses and the Lord willing, the Father brings them a point of maturity, we pray that you know they'll be able to come in and speak peacefully in disagreement. Or who knows, maybe they realize the direct words from scripture that they do agree with them later when they mature. So again, thank you months for being here for, we know that as we grow as a channel, we're going to uh, get more and more of this because 
Preaching directly what the Bible says has not been done for quite some time in most modern Christian churches yeah. and uh, in the United States specifically. So I just think that it's very important that we remember we're going to face a lot of knee jerks on a lot of topics by just reading the Bible and trying to keep it in context and define our terms. We're going to face a, we're going against a lot of different denominational teachings, um, interpretations. We're stepping on a lot of toes at once, right? So um, just keep that in mind. Don't ban, put them on timeout, give them a chance for the future. Uh, is there any, uh, that was the last of the verses that we had today. Is there anything that you wanted to, to talk about? Uh, I just want to mention that, you know, we trust our mods and their um, discernment as far as keeping peace in the chat. So people who are talking about last night's chat, people who are incensed about certain people getting timed out, I mean, we've got a bunch of different mods. They all have their different, you know, perspectives of who is causing, um, uh, who's causing problems in the chat, who's being disrespectful, who's starting fights, who's causing arguments, who's being needlessly inappropriate about things. Um, our chat is not necessarily a place that's a free for all, like a lot of other channels where the people who are teaching don't even pay attention to it and don't even care what's going on in there. Yeah, um, I genuinely treat this as if I'm in front of a room full of people. Right. And if a room full of people in the back corner started mocking the presenter, I'm going to say, hey, stand up and come talk to me. Or ask them to see themselves out. Because I'm not afraid of people. Come talk later. But, <laughs> yeah, and if you're just going to be there to disrupt, then obviously you're going to you're going to be addressed. Yeah, so our mods, we have trust, entrusted them with the right to decide if they feel someone is being inappropriate and unnecessarily combative um, in the chat, they have the right to time someone out. And we may not, we don't see, especially Sean, because he's busy teaching. We don't see every single comment of a person that causes them to be timed out by a certain moderator. So, you know, we may go back and think, eh, I might not have timed him out for that. To walk away and be upset about those things, about someone being timed out in a live chat, um, I think is not you know, something to that we should be concerning ourselves with and and being so focused on that that you know we're not paying attention to the teaching we're not yeah. <laughs> I mean the chat ends up being a huge distraction I mean I barely got to pay attention to Sean's teaching last night because yeah, well, because there was so much discord in the it, chat you know yeah. I mean so it's just a matter of people who we have entrusted to moderate that that's their that's what they're doing. That's the service that they're doing for this ministry on this channel is mm -hmm. they are trying to keep the chat a peaceful place. Thank you, sweetie. We got that for sure. And just for anyone that's wondering, the moderators have the opportunity to time people out for if they're being unruly. So that's all. I just want to highlight this wonderful little statement here. Miss um, Roseanne uh, said that I can find it. You're scrolling real fast. I scroll past it. Probably. No, she said, uh, Miss Roseanne said, praise you. This was the lesson the children and I were discussing this morning. They got so excited when they heard that they blew the shofar. Hello, <laughs> awesome, awesome, awesome. Yeah, yeah. And I'm mean, Roseanne. Um, I'm happy to hear. Or excuse me, Rosanna. I'm happy to hear that you're talking about such a heavy topic with your children, yeah. because that is important that we train people young, early in the faith. This is a super important part of how we. Um, we, we train up our children at Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 9, teaching them the words of the Lord. This is a part of the words of the Lord. We are to teach our children the book of Leviticus, the book of Numbers, the book of Exodus, Genesis. We're teaching them this, this you know, the, the, the wisdom that's, that's put there within. 
so yeah, it's very, very important. I mean, goodness grief, grade school was nothing but kids gossiping, anger, and uh, jealousy, dissension, strife, discord. You know, children are just a, a madhouse. I mean, it's like you'll, you'll get physically hurt quick. Oh, and then you get into middle school and high school and it's even worse. I mean, especially yeah. for girls, it's even worse. It becomes a pastime almost, well, really, literally for some, for some of us, it becomes something that it's almost like an addiction. Like you, what's, what's the latest? I mean, there's whole industries based on gossip and the latest tea as people call it. So yeah. 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 You guys put your questions in all capitalization. We'll take some questions uh, here towards the end. <laughs> and um, that way ourselves and the moderators can see them. That's why we ask you to put them in all caps. Um, not just one cap, all caps. <laughs> so many times they put a capital Q and then ask you, put, yeah. them, put them in all caps so that we can see them. The moderator can see them. Sometimes the chat moves quicker than we can see it. So it looks like Nancy Barnes is asking, in my studies, I've recently come across head coverings. Do you have any thoughts or additional scriptures outside of 1 Corinthians? Um, you know, the only other one that I can really think of is in Genesis with, is it, I think it's Rebecca covering her, covering her head after accepting the proposal from Isaac. Um, that in that storyline, we see Rebecca cover her head. There really aren't explicit scriptures on it besides first Corinthians. Um, I have a little testimony video on the channel about why I cover my head. It's not because I necessarily believe it's a strict commandment. Um, it's a personal conviction for me to be covered when I'm teaching with Sean. Otherwise, uh, you know, my hair is my glory and it's out um, pretty much all the time. Otherwise, I went through a period of time before I was married where I felt safer being covered um, just in the sense of uh, I just saw a complete difference in how men in public treated me when I was covered. And I saw a difference in respect that I was given and that I wasn't hit on or flirted with. And after some things I went through in my life, that was the last thing I wanted was any kind of uh, that kind of attention from men. So I just experimented one day and went out covered and I saw a difference immediately. And I was just kind of hooked from then. But then once Sean came into my life, you know, we pretty much spend all our time together. Most of the time when I'm out by myself, it's with him. And of course, I mean, I would hope <laughs> men are not, you know, um, being inappropriate with me when I'm clearly with my husband. Um, so yeah, covering is to me, it boils down to a personal conviction. I would not put it in the category of thus says the Lord. Um, I think it's clearly a cultural tradition of Hebrews and Christians throughout the whole history of the yeah. Hebrews and the Christian church. And really it's just more in modern times that a lot of, um, Christian churches have stopped practicing, um, practicing it. So, you know, that would be my position on it. And no, I, there aren't really any other explicit, um, there's nothing that addresses it directly like first Corinthians does. So, yeah. I, if I also, I think Judith did in the book of Judith, I have to go back and find the exact verse though. But the verse that my wife mentioned earlier is from Genesis 24 towards the end of the, <coughs> towards the end of the chapter. I think it's in verse uh, 65 through 66. Yeah. So go check out Genesis 24. Uh, thank you. So love and life 52, not on topic, but want to congratulate you on having a baby. Thank you so much. We Thank appreciate you. that. We're officially in the third trimester. So I'm like, okay, <laughs> in the last stretch of this. So just keep us in your prayers. Faithful B is asking, hey, Sean and Lindsay, Shalom. How does Jude, 
Does Jesus build a new temple in Zechariah 6, 9-14, different to the temple that Yah currently dwells in? Um, so it's my understanding that the one inside the New Jerusalem is a the one that we see detailed in Ezekiel 40-47, through 47, which is also the one that we use in Zechariah um, chapter 14 that they come for. Now, Jack, chapter 6, let me go check in Zechariah chapter 6, uh, specifically on the verse. I don't think I have that chapter memorized, so let me go make sure I can see um, okay, I see what you're saying. He'll branch out and build the temple of the Lord in verse 12. He'll build the temple of the Lord, close splinters from his throne. So yeah, to me, my understanding is this is the, the part of the New Jerusalem that he's preparing. So in the New Jerusalem is the Ezekiel temple that you see being detailed in Ezekiel 40 through 47. Yeah. So that's my understanding. So hopefully that's a decent answer for you. Elisha is asking, how can I judge righteously? So Obviously, you got to know the word first. So, yeah. as we discussed some of the attributes, some of the <coughs> some of the physical characteristics that we went over today, as far as like you, how you behave when people are either attacking you, disagreeing with you, um, or showing bad fruit of strife, anger, jealousy, discord, sexual morality, these types of things. So, we actually see a really good example of this in First Corinthians, um, which I think is fascinating because I, I was just trying to explain to people in the comments um, just just recently that Paul is not in a position of an elder or a judge of Israel, and so we can't stone people. So therefore, in 1 Corinthians 5, they start to judge someone in the Corinthian congregation because of a, of, of a son disobeying Leviticus 20, verse 18, which is about not having a conjugation with your mother-in-law or with your father's wife. So this sin was being was happening in the Corinthian congregation. And in first Corinthians five, Paul is reprimanding the Corinthians that they have not taken care of this yet. And that judgment needs to happen to this man. Now they're not in a position of the elders of Israel as priests who can then declare the man needs to be stoned. They are in Corinth, which is Macedonia. They're a Christian community living in amongst Roman rule. So, they're not in a position where they're in the land with judges established by Yahweh or nothing like that. So the, so the only recourse they had to judge this person of his sexual morality, since apparently um, this was persisting, the congregation knew about it and nobody was taking any actual action. Paul said, you've got to stop this, this brother from fellowshipping with you. So that was the judgment they, they imposed on this man was to uh, disfellowship him because he refused to repent of this sin. Um, and Paul's reprimanding the rest of the congregation for not already taking action. So I think it's important that we remember there is, in order for, there's different types of judgment, okay? There's the there's the common sense judgment that you make in evaluating your life. That word judge in English is very, very, very vague in how we use it. And I'm, Elisha, I'm guessing you speak English. So in the, in the English vernacular, the word judge is used in a variety of different ways. And it doesn't always mean to judge someone's soul eternally. It doesn't always mean to judge someone to a fine uh, through a judicious process. And it doesn't always mean to judge someone based upon their bad fruit and whether or not you want to fellowship with them. And it doesn't always mean that you're inspecting logs in other people's eyes, right? You're not a fruit inspector. So it just depends on what type of judgment you're talking about. Sometimes it means to righteously administer the truth over someone because you're helping them, you're teaching them how to live according to the righteousness of God. This is what the priests were doing when they would judge 
amongst the people. Um, they would settle disputes in a righteous manner. They weren't judging anyone to penalty, but they would settle disputes in a righteous manner. So again, how do we judge righteously? You got to know the law of God so you can discern between those five different categories I listed. To be a judge is, is a great responsibility. This is why in Exodus 18, uh, Moses was told to, to find elders of the tribes of Israel that could judge alongside him and help teach the word. But these men had to have a certain moral character that was evident to be for this role because this role can be highly abused. If you're not righteous in God's laws already, you will become a horrible judge in all five categories that I said. So I know it's not a clear-cut answer for you, but because the, the, the role of the, of the word you're asking about has many different uses. And the only way that you can ensure that you will be faithful in all the different uses of that word is to get God's law in your heart just completely filled. Like you just absolutely know his word inside and out. You'll, you'll adopt the wisdom of the Father and easily be led by the Spirit as Daniel was to be able to make incredibly difficult judges judgments as a priest of God in order to find the truth, discover the truth, teach the truth, uphold the truth, defend the truth. So uh, hopefully that's a decent, well-rounded answer for you. Bruno is asking, is the resurrection of the two witnesses the same time as the last Trump? Yes. Great job, brother. You put it together. Yes. The 42 months that ends the, the two witnesses is they're dead three days before the return of Christ. And after three days, they're raised at the seventh trumpet with everyone else at the return of Christ, the first resurrection. This is why I don't think they're angels. I think they're actual men. So, and I've got a whole thing I'm going to be doing in a 42 series about that. So, um, Joseph Steinman's asking, Sean, can you please explain Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24? Please pray for me. I've been praying to, to Yahweh for direction on work. I want to be obedient, but being a chef in a tourist town is next to impossible. Right. Cause you got to work weekends all the time. I understand that, man. I totally do. I was in a job for two and a half years where I had to work on Shabbats, if that's specifically what you're talking about. And um, and it's tough. And I asked the father for a change and he ended up bringing me a new job. So you never know. You you may, you know, you never know. I'll be praying for you. Uh, may the father give you the ability to either get the, the schedule you need or um, put you in an environment that you you feel is better for your growth when you're in your discipleship with Christ. Now, Jeremiah 9 while, while you're looking that up, I just want to say, you know, if it's a if it's a big enough tourist town, maybe you can um, advertise yourself as a personal chef um, and do cooking classes for date night and things like that. Um, and then you can make your own schedule. Just an idea. All right. So you're asking about 23 through 24. <clears throat> All right, so it says, this is what the Lord says. Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom, nor the strong man in his strength, nor the wealthy man in his riches. But let him who boasts, boast in this, that he understands and knows me. That I am Yahweh, who exercises loving devotion, justice, and righteousness on the earth, for I delight in these things. Okay, so you're asking, can I explain them? Um, my understanding is that, you know, this man, the, you know, you're not boasting in your own worldly wisdom. You're not depending on your own physical might or strength, and you're definitely not depending on your own acquiring of wealth, but you boast in what y either Yahweh's done for you, what you've learned about the wisdom of Yahweh, because he is the ultimate source of knowledge and truth. And, um, and that 
and part of that is that he's going to be his attribute. You understand his attributes like that. He has exercised his loving devotion, justice and righteous, right behavior on the earth. So it's um, because Yahweh delights in those things. So those are his his personal character traits that he loves. And it, that that's his own personality <laughs> is to exercise loving devotion, justice and righteous right behavior. So that's a man who understands that wisdom and, and uses that wisdom in his life will be able to boast in the Lord, not in his own something he's acquired in his own in this life. Hopefully that's a decent answer for you. Sonship identity. Uh, I've done a whole video on this. If you'd like to go check it out, Isaiah 9, 6 is Jesus the Almighty is the name of the video. So you can type in the YouTube search bar, Kingdom in Context, Isaiah 9, 6, and it should pop up um, that this is, I've done a whole video on this, um, both being called Mighty God and Everlasting Father or Eternal Father, these are terms for rulers that you see in the Old Testament. And this is Isaiah speaking about a prophesied ruler to come, the one that would be born. That would be a ruler from God, right? So this is where a father is a term for a ruler. Same thing with Elohim, G-O-D, a God. Doesn't mean he's the most high God. Um, but the purpose of this, these descriptions being given to <coughs> the prophesied Messiah is that once he steps into his rulership over all the nations, when the kingdom comes, he it will be eternal. He'll always be King of Kings and Lord of Lords under the authority of his father, the Almighty. This is what 1 Corinthians 15, 27 through 28 directly tells us. So this is this is the understanding of that. It's nothing to do with Trinitarian philosophy. <laughs> no, Vader. It's not brilliant. It's not brilliant, bro. It's, it's, I mean, according to him, it's I'm partial, not even saying patchy. That. It's, yeah. uh, it's, a, it's a rainbow of colors. It's not it's not brilliant at all. Um Nice girl. V's asking, do you think the white horse in Revelation 6-2 could have been the COVID pandemic? No, no. not even close. All right. Hector Search for Truth is asking a question on Jubilees 23-23. Any idea on what that scripture may be referring to? Just give me one minute here. Love and Life 52. We're having a boy. His name is Levi. Levi Joshua. We'll put it on the screen and read it together here. All right. It says, uh, he will wake up against the sinners of the Gentiles who have neither compassion, mercy nor compassion, and who shall respect the person of none, neither old or young, nor anyone, for they are more wicked and strong to do evil than all the children of men. They shall use violence against Israel and transgress against Jacob, and much bloodshed shall be upon the earth, and there shall be none to gather, none to bury. Um, I feel like we'd need to read yeah, there's a quite lot, a bit before that to get um, to the context of it. So let's look at some surrounding context. Because up here it's talking about the earth being destroyed on account of their works, their faithlessness. Um, I'm pretty sure this is a day of the Lord prophecy, in my understanding. Um, they shall strive with one another, rich, old, young, poor, beggar, and prince, on account of the law and the covenant. Um, I mean, we not only is this growing, I feel like this is growing, by the way. This is the, the fulfillment of the Deuteronomy 31 through 4 that we're calling to mind the commandments of God um, throughout all the earth where we're scattered. Yeah. So this will cause the nations to start to strive against the people of Yahweh um, on account of the law and the covenant. Yeah. And because the rest of the people have forgotten all these things. Uh, we're seeing that even within the church. People freak yeah. out when you mention any of these topics right here. Yeah. They freak out. But um, so so to me, this very my understanding is very easily is the the day of the Lord. Um yeah. 
because there's a great persecution happening to the day of the Lord, uh, which the whole earth had been destroyed, as well as people being persecuted for 42 months leading up to the return of Christ. And they're doing violence against Israel and against Jacob. I mean, that is the, you know, those in faith and belief. So in those days, they shall cry aloud and call and pray them to be saved from the hand of the sinners that from the nations. Remember that word G is capitalized by the translator. It's the word nations, uh, but none shall be saved because this is what Revelation 14 says. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I think it's a, a. Yes, that's right, because then it talks about the millennial reign in verse 29, Satan being locked away. So, yes, I would. Um, Hector, I'm, my understanding is that this is talking about the day of the Lord prophecies. <laughs> King, it's coming. Yes, every video we do. <laughs> When we talk about the commandments of God in nearly every video we do ever, yes, this is what it means to repent. Is when you stop doing the ways of the world, the ways of, of the enemy, the ways of the unclean spirits, the ways of Satan, and you start doing the ways of Yahweh, you're doing his commandments. That's his ways. You're doing his commandments. So, yes, repenting is stop doing the ways of the world and doing the ways of Yahweh. That's what repentance means. So every video that we do that we talk about the commandments of God, I'm calling people to repentance because I'm teaching you how to change your behavior. I'm showing you, the not me specifically, I'm just showing you how Yahweh's already taught us through his words, through the prophets, directly told to us how to change our behavior. This is active repentance that we're reading on screen when we talk about the commandments. So be encouraged, brother. You can go through all 800 plus of our videos and, and see a video on repentance. Uh, Vern, moderators are just chosen over time of people we see producing certain kinds of fruit in the chat, um, offering loving correction to people in the chat um, based on uh, how they understand we like to see the chat be in peace. Um, so it's not necessarily a job you apply for. It's something Sean just kind of chooses here and there as needed. So. Most of the people who are mods have been been around pretty much since the beginning of our channel, and we've gotten to know their fruit and their personalities actually through how they interact with others in the chat. So, again, because we view these broadcasts where we have live chats as if we're in a room. Right. So, if I was in a room with four or five hundred people, I would be seeing who's showing fruit that I can trust to help keep the room civil. Right. You see what I'm saying? So, it just takes some time. Vader Bear in Revelation 21, 22, he's asking, it just says, it says there's no temple. What am I missing? Is there something in the version or translation that's lost? Yeah, it's actually a very poor translation that if you check the word temple in there, it's this word for the the Holy of Holies. It's the inner room of the sanctuary, what, what's generally called the shrine room. Um, the naos, I believe is what it's called. Um, I'll have to go look in the Greek. But... I did drop the video for you. I'm, I'm sure you probably saw it since you put your question in here. Yeah, this video is called No Temple in the New Jerusalem, question mark. So if you go into YouTube search bar, type in Kingdom in Context, No Temple in the New Jerusalem, this video should pop up. And uh, we address it for 21 minutes, I believe, uh, about the, the Greek. It's just talking about the Holy Holies Room. Because it's literally already called the entire New Jerusalem a tabernacle in Revelation 21, 1 through 7. So it's the tabernacle of God is descending from heaven. See what I'm saying? So therefore, you go, this is what tipped me off to, to go, wait a minute. Verse 22 says there's no temple, but it's literally just said the tabernacle of God is descending to earth. <laughs> like that's a contradiction to the, because the word tabernacle and temple are synonymous. Yeah, they're interchangeable. So 
why is it saying there's no temple? And then I looked up the Greek word and I was like, oh, there it is. It's it's the shrine room. It's the Holy of Holies room. That, that's why it says in that verse, because the Almighty and the Lamb are its Holy Holies room, are its temple, its shrine room. Not the entire outer structure, but just the inner room, which was where the throne is. Because it's no longer an empty room. The Father and the Son are there. This, this whole passage is literally telling you the Father and the Son on their thrones will be able to descend through in the New Jerusalem to the ground. And so this is why it seems contradictory that the, the tabernacle that descends can say suddenly there's no temple in it. That makes no sense, right? In English, this is why we look up the Greek and it makes perfect sense. By the way, congrats, Master Soup. We appreciate your service in the chat. We also understand that you've got service to do in the home. That's right. <laughs> so congrats. Ephesians 5.11, we actually done a whole video on this. Do you want to drop that for them? Um, Wait, is it, can I worship idols or not? No, it? no, it's how do I talk to my friends and family about Torah. Right, okay. Yeah. So it's, it was part of our Milk and Meat live stream. It was probably about three years ago, but we did a whole video. My wife's going to put it in the live chat for you. Um, and she's asking, should we still celebrate holidays with family events, even if it's from pagan backgrounds? Thank you and congrats on your baby. Definitely use just judgment and discernment. She's going to drop the video. We go in greater depth than the short three-minute answer I'm about to give you, okay? Use judgment and concernment on what exactly this quote-unquote holiday is that you're talking about, okay? Um, and research the history of that particular holiday. But at the same time, if if it's going to cause you to lose a relationship, again, depends on the holiday. <laughs> we don't celebrate Halloween ever. That would be one, yeah, we would but, absolutely say you know, don't. I know a lot of churches are trying to like, they're trying to take Halloween and make it more adoptive. And, and they're trying to come up with all these yeah, theories that, demonic, that somehow, somehow it wasn't an occultic Druid religion practice. But so anyway, the point is just depends on what it is. But after you've done your research on the different holidays that are part of the modern American tradition, um, there's many of them that are very benign that came from Christian traditions that, that are just right. adopted things over time. They're not, adaptations of solar solace worship or excuse me um soul invictus soul invictus worship um they're just simply a modern they were a ancient christian tradition that's been passed on over time you have to look and i don't know specifically which one you're talking about but ultimately remember the difference between idolatry and worship okay worship is like i shouldn't say it like that remember the difference between idolatry versus a tradition so a tradition can be adopted in any culture based on time spent doing a specific practice. Idolatry is when you literally take a pagan god and you go offer an offering in his temple and do specific rituals associated to that pagan god in his temple. So I we've heard all the stories about how people want to take certain Christian holidays, especially in the Torah crowd, and they want to make them into idolatry, but it's just biblically not scripturally accurate. That's their interpretation of the modern tradition and trying to make it look like a idolatrous practice. So this is where it takes your research. Um, it takes your um, takes your time. So the point is. So many people come into this walk and they start to realize the truth about so many traditions are not biblical and they immediately start condemning their brethren who have a different opinion. Remember what we read in Romans 14, one and two for them, because they think they're now stronger in the faith 
So they think their brethren are weaker in the faith in pertaining to this tradition, this practice of this particular holiday, and they start condemning them for practicing that. So I would say, don't do that. Love them. Be with them. You're not literally offering like worship to a pagan idol just because you go and have a meal with someone and they've decorated in a specific way around their house. <clears throat> do not destroy your relationships over this. Walk in love and gentleness. Try to sow the word with them. We do not practice these holidays that are the mainstream holidays everyone argues over, but we don't condemn others. We practice Romans 14. We don't condemn others who still want to practice them. We just don't take joy in them and we don't want to practice them. We don't promote them. We try to promote the feasts of God, the feasts of Yahweh. So you'll never be in a place to able to show the truth to your friends and family about the feasts of Yahweh, which are the true holidays, if you're already burned all the bridges and condemned them to hell for practicing something that they're weak in the faith in and don't realize about. Um, just to offer my perspective on this, when Sean says go and research the origins, you know, that's a minefield to walk into because there are a lot of uh, false, there are a lot of false things you're going to find about the so-called origins of these holidays. And I went from, I went from the perspective that <clears throat> these all started as pagan rituals, that Christians, I had the zeitgeist new age point of view on it, even when I became a Christian, that Christians stole these holidays from pagans to make it easier to convert them. Okay. So I was of that belief for a long time. And then I started to see some people that I really respect, uh, who I think are very well studied in the Torah crowd, um, retracting those kinds of statements about the holidays and saying, look, I looked into the actual origins of these. I looked into the Christian sources. I read, you know, the some ancient writings, you know, from when these things started. And I found that it's not true that all of these holidays just started as being stolen from pagans. Now, they're not biblical. They weren't, they're not commanded by God. They were started by Christians, um, in my opinion, in innocence, in their way of, you know, um, carving out their own identity separate from the Jews uh, and their own ways of celebrating certain things that happened in the scriptures, like the birth of Jesus his circumcision is celebrated with a feast in Catholicism and Orthodoxy. You know, his resurrection, we all know, is celebrated. So when you go research these things, it, it can be a dangerous area to fall into because there's a lot of misinformation out there. So you have to have an open mind. You have to be willing to be okay if you find out that they didn't, they don't have nefarious beginnings. They're just not commanded feasts and we don't have to celebrate them. But we're also, people are not in sin by celebrating. They're not um, doing what's akin to the golden calf, which is what many in the Torah community compare these things to. So I posted a link to a an extensive post on Facebook that I made about this topic. And the, co the comments are full of links to books, articles, archives, all the history that you would want to know to look into some of these holidays um, as well as our position on it, as far as not condemning people for them. So if you have Facebook, um, I would definitely recommend going and reading through that post and reading through the comments and saving all the links into a, you know, a note, note page on your computer or your phone so that you can go through and read those things for yourself and just see. Cause it's a muddy topic. 
It is. There's, there's so much, um, there's a lot, there's, unfortunately, there's a lot of lies and misinformation that have been thrown in, um, from, <laughs> they all stem actually from one particular guy in his particular book that has been, that has been debunked. So you just have to be okay with, um, maybe changing your mind on it. If you've been calling them pagan holidays this whole time, cause they're actually not, I've just chosen, I don't want to be on the side of new age zeitgeisters who hate Christianity and they'll find any reason they can to slander anything a Christian has done in history. Um, but at the same time, I can understand this history and also not keep the holidays, but not be bothered and grieved in my spirit. If my, my father and my, my friends and my other family, you know, still keep those Christian holidays. So that would be, that would be my advice on it is just, you know, have, have an open mind and have a soft heart about it. Indeed. Yeah. Indeed. So when I was, I, I practiced and trained in martial arts for many years of my life and from a young age growing up. And there's a, there's a principle that you learn when you get to a black belt. My wife was asking me about this a few days ago. If you're in a good school, that's, you know, not crazy drunks teaching it, but if you're in a good school that like a competent, good instructor, who's a, a good person in the community and uh, has good, it'll be just a minute, Bella. It'll be just a minute. She's, she knows what time it is. She has an internal clock. She has a dog clock that knows exactly what's going on. It's, it's scary. Um, so if you have a good instructor teach you martial arts, right, they'll tell you that if you're going to get to a black belt, you must demonstrate integrity, character, perseverance, self-control. So this is where, uh, thank you, Joseph Simon for the super chat. I really appreciate that. So this is where as a mature Christian, if you want to be effective in your knowledge of Christ Jesus, which is an equated to being like a black belt in a trained martial art, right? Because then you become considered an instructor. You be, you've learned through the ranks and you've actually gotten to a place of competency in what you know, you can demonstrate it with self-control. So this is what we try to do our best. I'm not always perfect, but we try to do our best to walk in that type of self-control, knowing that we're going to be teaching the truth of God that venerates Christ, that upholds the eternal law of Yahweh, that, that accurately prophesies the expected hope of our future to come, where Yahweh and his son come down to the earth in their house, and there's peace on the earth among the nations. Teach all those concepts of the gospel of the kingdom with love and gentleness, and with self-control as much as possible, because this is what we have to get to. Because just like when I was training and you're in, you're dealing with someone that's a lower rank, like a white belt, and they're, they want to practice fighting. They don't know, they can't control their body yet. They don't have self-control. So they're going to kick you in the nuts. They're going to kick you in the throat. They're going to accidentally jab you in the ribs that they're not, you know, too much force. Um, they're, they don't understand how to control their body yet. They want to learn, but they need discipline. So this is the same way in the faith, guys. If we consider ourselves mature and walking in love, we've got to be gentle, peaceful, able to teach, and be able to literally in one in the same day, like just like today, you get hit, but you just keep smiling. You say, "Okay, we're going to keep training you. It's okay. I know that that didn't take me down. I don't like it, but it didn't take me down. So we'll just keep smiling. We're going to teach you to control yourself." And uh, get more competent in the faith, more mature in your understanding of God and his ways so that you can better be an ambassador for Christ and a disciple of Christ. And so this is uh, this is what you got to do. 
That's what you got to do, guys. So that's my last final words, by the way. I'm not taking more questions. Did you want to say something before we go? Uh, you know, just, just remember the teaching today as far as falsely accusing the brethren, slandering people, condemning them to the second death. Um, we are 2000 years removed from the apostles and the unity that they had on doctrine. And the more study Sean has done into the early church fathers, the more he's realized how quickly they fell into confusion as far as uh doctrine goes as far as how the commandments apply you know what jesus's priesthood means uh the kind of traditions that they started for themselves um the the infighting and the persecution that first began with the the jews in the synagogues actually persecuting those christians and not allowing them into the synagogues and not allowing them to keep the feast with them and stuff so as far as the history of Christianity, you know, it is a messy, complicated history that can't be summed up with just a few bumper sticker phrases like people really like to do in the Torah community. And so as far as um, just condemning the entire swath of Christians that came before us for their ignorance and their misunderstandings um, and the bad teachings that they sat under, uh, I would just encourage everybody to remember what we've taught about today and what we've read about in the scriptures. There's only one lawgiver and one judge, and that's not any of us. So I think having a, a soft heart of understanding towards um, these things in our history, this is our history as a people of faith, whether we like it or not. Um, pretty much all of us here came out of a mainstream Christian church into this walk. So the people that came before us, um, many of them died for the same faith that we have. They just had a different understanding of the scriptures that we're all reading. But they died for their faith in Yeshua. Um, they would not renounce him and his resurrection and his kingship and his priesthood. So I just want to encourage people to remember this idea of not slandering and falsely accusing goes both ways. It's in the modern times in the present and also into the past. So a lot of people do not like Sean and I's stance on the Christian church, the history of it, the holidays, those kind of things. But it's the same exact heart we are trying to practice towards people in the present. We also are not going to step foot into the judgment seat and judge people from the past. There are plenty of, you know, popes and things that we can look at their fruit and be like, yeah, that guy probably was a pretty wicked person. But in general, we don't use uh, general um, blanket condemnations of the church that came before us. Um, in the same way that a lot of Torah people don't believe in condemning the Jews and look at the Jews and Judaism as, well, they preserved our scriptures for us, so we need to respect them. People forget to apply that to the Christians as well. And as much as we hate to say it, the Catholic Church, the Orthodox Church, they preserve the New Testament. You know, they preserve those writings. So both we can disagree with their doctrines and some of their understandings of scripture while also acknowledging the truth about their importance in our history as a people and the book that we all hold dear. So I would just want to leave people with remembering to have this heart towards everybody. And that means everybody who's already asleep in Sheol and everybody who's alive with us now and people who are going to come in the future who are going to disagree with us and have different understandings than us. 
And Sean and I won't waver from that heart and that attitude towards people, no matter how it triggers people and sets them off because they want us to take a hard line stance and condemn certain things and certain people. So it's just not who we are. We fear the Lord too much. So well said, sweetie. Clarissa, thank you so much for your super chat. She says, may Yahweh bless you both as you teach us truths and help understand the context of his word. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. Thank you, everyone that's listening and watching. Sorry if we couldn't get all to all your questions today, but um, we'll be doing this again next week as we try to do every week. So we appreciate you guys joining us and we hope you have an incredible day of rest. Yeah. Shabbat shalom, guys. Have a great week. See you guys next time. Love you.